Hello and welcome to another episode of Away to Heal Utah. I'm your host, Dave Meekham. It's a pleasure to be back with some of my good friends at the HEAL program at the Department of Health and Human Services with the state of Utah. I've got Dr. Brett Mackiff, who's joining us. And Brett, you work with all the physical activity. And then two of my good friends who know nutrition very, very well, Laura Holtrup-Cole and Judy Sharp, also from the HEAL program. Glad to have you here, everybody. It's a good time of year for this fun stuff. We are heading into Pioneer Day. And we've already talked about healthy grueling and so forth. We've hit on that more than once. And we talked about that just before the 4th of July, but the heat's really hit us now here in Utah. And I thought this would be a great time to talk about hydration. We've talked about it in passing before. We've talked about how important it is to make sure that you're properly hydrated when you're outdoors and being active. But I don't think we've ever really taken the deep dive on why that matters. Laura, let's maybe start with you. We hear about hydration all the time, and maybe you can help us understand on a deeper level why this is so important. Yeah, sure. And this is something I think, yeah, we all hear about it. And it's like one of the things people always, the first to volunteer, like, oh, I'm trying to drink more which is a good thing, which is a good thing for most of us, I think, because a lot of us are walking around, you know, slightly dehydrated, though maybe not as many as as we think. But yeah, so hydration is so important because it's, it's really what keeps our body going. So we rely on water to be like the highway in our body, the highway system to transport everything our cells need around the body. And if we're slightly dehydrated, we're going to have circulatory difficulty where it just takes a little bit more for our body to get all the nutrients it needs to the places it needs. We are what? 70% water, I think. Is that the number? Yeah, it varies, right? It varies on your body composition, how much muscle has more water than fat. But yes, we're the majority water. Our cells are mostly water. Our blood is almost all water. So it is, it's an important thing. What are some of the signs? I know there are several, but what are some of the signs that we aren't getting enough water? Yeah. I mean, we're probably familiar with the symptoms of like um, maybe headache or feeling a little lethargic. Of course, like mild dehydration, the symptoms are more mild. With severe dehydration, we could start getting into like dizziness or confusion, and that can get really dangerous. But our body's really good at balancing our water. So like with the help of our brain and our kidneys, we're good at regulating how much water we have in our body. So like if we have to get rid of waste, our kidneys can get the message like, okay, we have to get rid of this waste, but we're going to conserve water. So we're going to reabsorb that water. And so we can basically like recycling water, but we're not feeling our best when that's happening. Even below 2% dehydration, we start to feel those um, symptoms of fatigue and, and headache and less clear thinking. I bet Brett could speak even more to what happens to our exercise output when we're dehydrated. That's also not a good thing. Well, it's actually one of the bigger things. If you're really struggling out there with whatever your activity is, it's probably a good chance that it's either A, you haven't had enough uh, glucose coming into your body somehow, however that is, whatever your food source is, and you're probably not getting enough water. You know, I'm glad you mentioned the 2% of body weight because that's the one, that's kind of the marker we always use, but it's when you hit that 5% of your body weight dehydration. Um, Okay. I know that not a lot of us are measuring our power output unless you're a cyclist, you know, Tour de France and all that. Uh, but it's about 30%. You know, when you hit that 5% point, 
you have decreased your ability to function and perform by a full 30%. And if you go more than that, you're actually going to start seeing some organ damage. So, I mean, we want to be super cautious about this. So this is leading up to the magical question. And, and I know that there's always some, I don't know if the word's controversy, but I don't think there's universal agreement on this. How much water do we need every day? You want to say it first, Laura, should I? It depends. <laughs> it depends if you're, you know, uh, not petite guy like me, or if you're a kid, or if you're an endurance athlete, or if you're doing things outside, or if you're doing things even in the water itself, you still need to be drinking a certain amount of water. So yes, when you hear the, oh, the eight glasses of water a day, eh, you know what? Let's be honest. It's <laughs> It depends on who you are. I laugh because that takes me right back to basic training. Ah, yes. The color of your urine. I love those little <laughs> signs right above each urinal. What color is your urine? Yeah, that was great. Uh, I was worried about the people who are in the orange or black character. I thought that was like, maybe you don't want to be that far. They literally had somebody checking your tray in the chow hall to make sure you had <laughs> enough water. Oh, that was, that takes me right back. But you know, it's kind of funny because there's all these, you know, voices out there saying you should drink this much or that much. I have a daughter who got it in her head that she needs to drink a gallon of water every day. And she actually did for a while. I think she's kind of fallen off of that a little bit. But I suppose it's better to drink a little too much to be a little excessive than to be not enough. And there can be a limit of too much. You know, there is a very you know, clear point where you have too much and you've thrown off your uh, it's essentially a balance of all the different things in your in your blood, the salts, the potassium, all right. the, the various things. You can get to a point where you've had too much. And, you know, I tease my daughter because I call her a drink goblin because she's got at least three, you know, you know, various large insulated mugs of whatever brand at any given moment. I mean, it's kind of gets to the point of being funny. Uh, but yeah, I, I would definitely have somebody err on the side of making sure they've got maybe a little too much because the good news is your body's going to solve that real quick. Right. And I think it takes a lot of effort to get too much water into you. <laughs> At least that's my perception anyway. Yeah, definitely. It, it yeah. can do some work. So here's another question. And I know Judy's going to want to weigh in on this one. <laughs> Does it matter where your water comes from? Sure. Um, I think the easiest way is to, water keep like your daughter and Brett's daughter is to have water available to you in some type of container and whether you like it chilled or, or room temperature but I think um, that's one of your best sources we tend to um, think that we have to have these fancy products and um, concoctions now it goes back to what we all use as a first uh, answer is it depends. You know, if you're a sports athlete and you're in that bubble, as Laura likes to say, where you're doing high intensity and you're looking at performance, you're looking at finding those good sources days and days and days before you perform. So you start hydrating your body you know, in preparation of that event. And then that gets into maybe a little different balance of those electrolytes. But for the average probably person listening to this, including, you know, probably us on most days, not on our high performance days, water is just a really great source. When you're performing, that's into another category of what other ingredients are needed to, to keep your body really in check because those electrolytes are very important, as Laura mentioned, with cardiovascular function and dehydration can get really risky where you can have lead into this heat season, into heat exhaustion, 
or heat stroke, even worse. So looking at your labels, if you're going to look at some of these products that are out there, I think is important so that you're not having excess sugar in them or other items that you may not want. And we're actually getting now to points where there are these, these ingredient labels and these formulations have lots of other things in them, like hemp extracts or CBD oil or extracts, different things like that, herbal things that are in there. So the ingredients lists are very long and it depends on what you want to do, what you're looking for. I was talking to Dave earlier about a food scanner and there's lots of products out there that you can search for and find, download on your phone. It has a scanning function. They're free. They're usually free. They have a scanning function where you scan the barcode and it will give you an ingredient drop-down list. And then you can actually click on those ingredients and see what those items are. And they go into detail. And if it's not something for you, then you can look at the bottom. And usually they give you a whole list of other competitors and alternative products that you can look for. They also give you ratings of, is this too much sugar for this product? So I come back to water is probably your, your best source for just normal hydration and it's really good for your body and it doesn't cost anything. There's no work involved. And that's really important. As you know, Dave, I always talk about getting kids started early with being comfortable with drinking just plain water. Right. And these scanners, I think could be a great tool for you. It's kind of interesting. It seems like there's always, I don't know if they're necessarily fat ingredients, but Go through a period of time where the specific ingredient seems to get to added to everything. I think we've seen this over the past years. Green tea seems to be in a lot of different drinks now that you would never expect to find it in. And I think there's a lot of other examples of that. And so I think reading the ingredients is a great idea. They sneak sugar into everything, it seems like, and sodium for that matter. But you also mentioned one of the buzzwords, and I want to talk to Brett about this one, electrolytes and sports drinks. If I run five feet, I have to have a sports drink, right? (laughs) Depends. I I can definitely point out some uh, family members of mine who thought that couch effort was worthy of a a sports drink. (laughs) And I think there's some confusion because marketing's really good. I mean, really good that you have to have the, the the sugar, the the salts, the potassiums, the, the calcium, the all these things that were built into these sports drinks are designed for people that are going to be putting out fairly heavy, intense, we'll use the term intense um, or vigorous intensity for about an hour. That's a lot of work. I can think of very few sports that would require that. Again, like we said, endurance athletes, absolutely. If you're in particular um, putting a lot of effort in on some field sports that you're going to be out there in the heat for a long time, other than that, you're starting to get really sketchy on, on needing it. I mean, Judy, absolutely. You know, water's best every single time. But we start seeing those things that are marketed, that kids, you know, at a soccer game have have a sports drink because it's orange. Uh, Probably not needed. In fact, I'll say in 99.9% of the cases, you just don't need that just because it tastes good. So what do we do? How do we switch it around? And they love to sneak a lot of sugar into those. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, again, we need sugar. We need to have, and I say that meaning sugar as a base function of its energy. 
that's what we're getting. I mean, you have a, a piece of watermelon. There's your water. There's your sugar. You're good. In fact, I'd rather have kids use that at a soccer match than than sit down with a sports drink. They get sticky fingers, so it gets even better. So then you get into the you know, the car and you're like touching everything. Oh, I love that. <laughs> no, I, I honestly, I'm like, give me the melons. Give me the the things that are high water content. It counts. It counts. I'm glad you mentioned things like the green tea because there's this there's this gym science out there that if you have caffeine in anything, it doesn't count as your water. It counts. Yeah, it's got a diuretic effect. But yeah, it, it still counts. So if you need to have a little caffeine for a little bit of a boost, I mean, great. It, I don't think most people need it, but it's not going to be detrimental. There I'd are water, yeah. a lot of drinks out there that that people consume every day, whether it's pop, whether it's coffee, tea, herbal teas, milk. They're the vast majority of these drinks is water. So I don't think anything negates the fact that that water's in there. But how careful do we need to be about these other drinks? Is there some kind of guide that we can have to tell us, okay, you should limit only this much coffee a day, or maybe it's an herbal tea and, and that's unlimited. Maybe it's not. I mean, how do we know how to make good choices here? And again, Laura, this is probably what you can speak better on, but our limit that we've used, depending on if you're a professional athlete, which I know most of us aren't, uh, they have some very specific guidelines. Like NCAA has some very uh, tight rules on things like caffeine. But we've generally had the, the comment, if you're taking more than 400 milligrams of caffeine in a day, you're probably, you're going to be feeling that one. That's going to come back and bounce on you in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. That's the upper limit that I recommend. Um, when you're, if you're really trying to optimize like your, your sports performance or, you know, your basketball game at the rec center, it's probably good to limit your caffeine even lower to like 200 milligrams a day, just because it can start to, I don't know why, but it can affect your hydration status. And it could be because you're, you're drinking um, a caffeinated beverage, which is hydrating, but it's less hydrating than other drinks, which is a strange, you know, concept. But basically, it's caffeine, like Brett said, is a diuretic. So you tend to pee out a higher percentage of that water in a caffeinated drink. Funny enough, this always kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies, but milk is one of the most hydrating beverages just alone because it has carbs and it has some sodium, which is an electrolyte and potassium, which is an electrolyte. And so all those things help us absorb and retain that water better. And, well, and, uh, and that's why they celebrate that after, you know, a Formula One race, you know, that's why you've got your milk. It has nothing to do with sponsorships at all. I'm sure it's all about hydration. Do they <laughs> spray milk when they win? Brett? I think it was a little harder to spray than other beverages. Yeah. <laughs> but that's kind of the point here of my question, Laura. You'll hear people tell you you shouldn't drink that much milk because they're anti-dairy or, you know, whatever perspective they're coming from. But whether it's milk or, or coffee, even decaffeinated coffee, how do we look at the variety of drinks that are out there? And how do we kind of formulate a plan or an approach to this that will keep us properly hydrated, yet make sure that we've got, you know, some nutritional balance in our life, regardless of what the drink is? Yeah, I mean, I think Judy was right. Like, when in doubt, drink water. You want to be getting most of your hydration needs from water just because it's simple. You don't have to think about it that much. And then I would also recommend avoiding drinks. Avoiding as in, like, most of the time, don't choose drinks that have added sugar in them. And you can look at that label and, and see if it has added sugar. 
So, so those would be the most, the two simple recommendations I have, which is to keep it simple. But also I think having like drinks like tea and coffee and milk and, you know, flavored water, sparkling water, those can all be helpful in giving you some variety so that you don't get completely bored with plain water. As as you know, I might occasionally consume a bubbled beverage, but and I already got the look from Judy right there. I got the look. That's another thing. Like um, diet sodas, I think are demonized more than they need to be. There's something that I recommend drinking in moderation, um, just like foods with added sugar, but it's not going to make you die of cancer, you know, in five years necessarily. So I think that's uh, there's 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 a lot of fear among that and fear mongering and and it's it's they're not that bad. I'm with you on that that one, Laura. But Judy might come from a slightly different perspective. Well, I think that you know a couple things just in the conversation that came up in my mind are that it goes back to that word depends. Any of us that have taken biochemistry or a science class, it depends. So I think what I wanted to say first was. For people to think about how they feel, you know, if they feel thirsty, respect that thirst. And we haven't really talked about how to stay hydrated in that sense of listening to your body. And I think you can also just be aware, like the, one of the first things I do is you saw me drinking a glass or two of water in the morning. That's the first thing I do. And I think listening to your body, if you start feeling a little bit of a headache, then, hey, that's, you know, that's a sign that you've already been dehydrated if you're in that circumstance, if that's the factor, because dehydration occurs over not just minutes or hours, but over a longer period. And it depends on your circumstance, your environment, your heat, your exercise, all these things that we've been talking about. So uh, that's one thing I wanted to mention about listening to your body and respect your body. And some people are more sensitive to products like caffeine, and that won't work for them because it will be the diuretic in their equation. And that goes back to looking at ingredients to answer your question, Dave, as far as maybe people don't want caffeine because they have a cleaner diet and they're not using the caffeine for the effect that we mostly use caffeine for and not to put them down in a category that they're too eccentric or they're too strict. You know, that's their choice. They may know their body really well. And I think that's a good thing that we're not listening to our bodies well enough. I love this. And I think that's a great way to end this discussion is that we know how important hydration is now, but I think that idea of listening to your body, it's going to tell you what it needs and what it wants. And, and if you get in touch and in tune with that, then that's going to be a great guide for you. I start out every day with a cup of herbal tea. I hope that gets my, my dietitian stamp of approval. You don't need our approval Dave. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes me feel so much um, so- better about myself. Yeah, I was um I was reading recently about hydration and if you do have good practices of building drinking water into your daily habits like Judy starts with a glass of water and I try to do that too. People who tend to drink more water and are more hydrated tend to have a stronger thirst response and so they're more in tune with their body in that way. But if you're like walking around like slightly chronically dehydrated you like maybe drink a half a glass of water a day, it may not be good enough to trust your thirst response. You may want to be a little more proactive and start getting in the habit of drinking water. And then you can kind of trust your body a little bit better. With Thank you, Laura. I love that. There's always so many layers to giving advice. And I know we're running short on time here, but I think 
that's also really important where you can look at percentage of body hydration replacement, or you can like, there's other things that we can go into about percentage or just thinking about this, the silliness of the eight glasses, but there is some science based on those eight glasses. So you can look and see if you're just drinking two glasses of water a day, that's not going to be enough. So putting some thought into how you can spread out hydration throughout the day is definitely important. I love that. So get to the point where you can recognize when your body needs water and kind of work into that. And then you're going to be in a great spot because you can be in tune and in touch with what your needs are and you can satisfy them. And it's going to do your body wonders uh, as far as being properly hydrated and helping it function properly. Thanks for being here, everybody. This has been a great discussion. It's been really interesting for me. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on A Way to Heal You, Tom. 